0: Hey there. I'm James, and this is Paul. Hello. And you're listening to The Board Meeting, a podcast about a board game that doesn't exist yet. <laughs> okay, so that's the intro. So here's the deal. In my notes, it says I have one minute for the concept. So this is what it is. Paul Susie and I are both creative people. We like yes. to think. I recently made my first board game. Paul Susie has worked on a number of plays and and is now working on a... Uh, audio tour come play slash podcast correct and so we decided that we would try to design a board game live and that all the work would happen only in a live recorded podcast that's kind oh. of a contradiction isn't it yeah. live and recorded so we're recording this podcast and all of the work the creative work that we're going to be doing is occurring during this podcast this okay is brilliant that was only 50 seconds So this is good We're not really radio people but <laughs> We're making it work <laughs> Okay, so uh, Hey, I'm James um, I'm a, I'm a person who makes things Mostly I'm a lighting designer I recently made a board game Called Saga of a Dying World I kickstarted it I printed it I just finished shipping out everything I'm giving Paul Susi his copy tonight He was one oh. of the main testers Oh, you didn't know that Cool Yes Um And, uh, yeah, so I work in a lot of theater. That's where I met Paul Soucy. Correct. Who is sitting across from me. Right. You want to take it?
1: I'm sitting very comfortably in a rocking armchair slash rocking ottoman. So, you know, it's the very height of luxury here at the James Mapes Recording Studios. (laughs) I um, am a theater artist in Portland, Oregon, where I was born and raised, and I do lots Mm -hmm. of things. Uh but uh what James just referenced is that I'm working on creating a solo touring podcast thing <laughs> that is about lads edition and unmarked graves in southeast Portland. And it's spooky and awesome.
0: We're in Portland, Oregon, by the way. Right. Uh coincidentally, I happen to live in Lads Edition. It's a funny neighborhood. <laughs> um <laughs> In addition, my notes say that Paul Susi has an excellent voice and brain, and wow. all of that is true. <sighs> and uh, I also have ideas and kind of the the hope, the main goal of this podcast is to be as transparent as tro- possible about a creative process, um, but the hope for this podcast is that I can get <clears throat> energetic and a little hyperactive in my ideas, and Paul Susie will yes. keep, keep us to task totally. with his scotch-infused melodious tones. Um, Which, by the way,
1: we're drinking a lovely Achen Oh,
0: thank you. Thank you, Brian Cox. Um, <laughs> do you think you could do... No, we'll save accents for later. <laughs> so, um, that's us. That's the concept. We have decided to name the podcast Board Meeting the for board obvious Week. reasons. The Board Meeting. Yeah. So, this is episode one, the introduction of the board meeting. I'm so glad you're with us. Yay. Okay, to roll things get things rolling to roll things off to <laughs> kick it to kick it and roll it uh what's a board game you've played recently paul that's kind of stuck with you like would well, just give me the experience sure
1: uh so it's well this kind of doesn't count i just recently <laughs> learned how to play pinochle and it's a card game it's a playing card game and it required cooperative play like it required elements of board games Mm -hmm. Um, and the rules are not particularly intuitive or straightforward and you're sitting across okay everybody who's listening is probably going to correct me on this because I don't fucking know how to play Pinochle but um, (laughs) you sit across from your teammate and you can't communicate directly with them about what you have in your hand and you're trying to Help each other gain more points over the other side that's also sitting across from each other, and it so there's a lot of tension, but there's also a lot of uh covering the tension with banter and jokes and trying to compete in an underhanded way, and you have to remember that a ten is worth more than a king but less than an ace, and things of the same suit and different suit all matter in different ways, and you have to keep track of points and it's very very complicated
0: so what was kind of the experience that that left you with like? Did you did you a enjoy playing and B was there any distillation of a of a feeling that you got from playing that game?
1: Yeah, I was very stressed out. <laughs> um, I was also a little bit drunk. <laughs> um, it was very late at night when we when the little party decided to try to learn how to play pinochle, um, and so but by the end of the night, I could start seeing how this game could actually be really enjoyable. Um, if we were a little bit fresher when we started, <laughs> and uh, and if there was a little bit more of a sense of of where you're going with the points, or how you're gonna win, or how you're gonna how you're going to compete. Hmm. Uh, so really. just
0: a little like more experience, yeah. yeah, yeah, more clarity. It's actually it's nice to think about a card game like just with playing cards, right? Normal right. playing cards, feeling tense and nervous in a yeah. way because I feel like. I guess as someone who plays too many board games and is, like, kind of looking for the novelty of board games, mm-hmm. like, Boy, yeah, it's a deck of cards, like, that's cute. You know, right. that's kind of where I come from. So, Right. That's nice right. to hear about.
1: Yeah, and, and there, was, there was definitely early on, there was a lot of, like, oh, I guess we're playing poker now. <laughs> like, we were trying to manufacture the tension, but it very quickly became apparent that things would happen without you intending them to, and then the game would get away from you in ways. Things like that. That's nice. What was the last game that you played, James? The
0: last game that I played, I think, was Tikal, which mm. is a classic Euro game. Um, I, I spend a little bit too much time thinking about board games, I think. Um, and so I will correct me if I'm ever throwing in a little bit too much uh, vocabulary. Euro games refer to like German-style board games. Like... Catan. 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 Sure. Catan. Catan, right? Catan. It's um, totally Catan. Uh and carcassonne are good examples where it's like there's a bear theme mm. and a lot of it is like bear sorts of pieces and the sure. mechanics of it. And they're not um they're not directly confrontational. Like sure. you're not you're working towards a goal and maybe you're cooperating or maybe you're in conflict but it's like no one's murdering each other um sure. those are all Eurogame traits so to is like you are explorers of the jungle right and you are unearthing these temples and you're getting points from the temples <laughs> and you're like secreting dudes into your camp through back routes and then you know the vault you uncover the volcano like why didn't we see the volcano before anyway but right uh <laughs> anyway it was fun it was not it's it's a classic Good game. I picked it up for $20 at the Guardian Games parking lot sale. Yes. Um, I need to hit that. Well, Labor Day. Ugh. Labor Day? Labor Day. Um, it's a madhouse. It sure. Is a, I got there before it opened, and it was a madhouse. Anyway, um, we like games in Portland, Oregon. Yeah, we do. But uh, Takal was nice because it had that same moment, the same the moment that the game kind of got away from us. Sure. Where, um, especially like you, when you're learning a new game, there's this like dance around the game where you're like are you good are you fun am i playing with the right people right. is it going to be the right length of time like no matter what it says on the box you're like are we too drunk for this are we not drunk enough for this you know yeah. if you know whatever um and it ended up fitting well with the particular particulars of that of that night so i was happy about that i was happy that i liked playing a euro game because yeah. you know sometimes i like them to be a little more thematic but it was nice Nice. To call. To call. It's going somewhere. Those guys. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Cool. So I wanted to explain just a tiny bit where this concept came from. We're we're leading up to a moment in the show that we are both feeling a lot of anticipation and excitement about. (laughs) And we're calling (laughs) it the great filter. Um, (laughs) Or the veil. And the veil. The veil. So the veil is something that we have not pierced yet. We right. do not know what lies behind it. Who um, knows? It's an it's a metaphorical thing. There's not a veil hanging in the studio. Um, <laughs> the studio. Do you like how I call my basement a studio? Um, <laughs> it's apt. It's apt. Uh, but when I have a lot of ideas about things, and I think that that's important for creativity. I think it's important to be constantly um thinking of new things and turning them over in your brain and before they ever see the light of day you've like validated them in a way so I have a list of board games that I want to make and stories that I want to write and and shows that I want to work on as a theatrical lighting designer and stuff like that that I mean and and three of the ten are worth even bringing up to someone as a possible idea sometime you know what I mean mm, mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. and and it was captured so well in a quote that I heard on NPR where a writer or someone, I forgot who it was said that um, creativity is like fly paper. Uh, and the key about fly paper um, he discovered in this story that he was telling is that there's no quality of fly paper that attracts the flies to the paper. It's just sticky and it <laughs> sits there and eventually a fly lands on it and then they are stuck. Yes. And there's like, a like the, the, I don't actually now that I'm saying this out loud in the podcast that we're not editing <laughs> I'm realizing I don't actually know if the fly is the creative idea or the <laughs> paper is the creative so I don't really know the analogy kind of breaks down, but there's mm. something about um and I named the game company that I'm working on this fly paper game, so it's a it's a thing near and dear to my heart, and like oh, oh. God, I'm getting myself in deeper um <laughs> thank you for that. Let's swim on out of here yeah but but the idea that like eventually you stumble on the right thing only through having lots and lots of things. Sure. Um, I'm explaining all this because I'm saying that all of these ideas, uh, are mine Mm. and Paul has a ton of ideas that are his. And that's not what this show is about. Mm -hmm. The show is about Paul and I creating something. And so in order to be true to that, we have, we don't, (laughs) we don't know what we're going to create.
1: I I thought I was just going to have a milkshake in his basement and then here we are.
0: There are no milkshakes here. Oh. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Um so so the veil is the moment in the show where mm. we where we say okay, now what game do you want to make? Right. And so this
1: this brings to the front of my head um this distinct memory from my childhood where so i was an only child and i would beg family members my father my cousins my mom to play monopoly with me (laughs) because i didn't know any better i didn't know that monopoly was a didn't know any i didn't know any better my my it's true It's a terrible game. I mean, we all have our reasons for calling it a terrible game. We're not going to get into that. But uh, I remember one game in particular where I had finally convinced my dad to play Monopoly with me. And I think he was like, we were watching TV at the same time. He was completely checked out. He was not invested in the game at all. And he happened to get Boardwalk before I did right and have the money to buy boardwalk and i lost i lost it i was in tears i was so sad i thought that's the game you know there's no there's no way back from this there's you can't you know you you could it's like all that's left for me now is baltic and mediterranean and what are you gonna do with those you know that's terrible and And But looking back on this now, like at the time the game was a wash and, you know, I I quit and I stormed off, I threw a tantrum. But looking back on it now, it's so amazing how certain games, even a terrible game like Monopoly, has the power to capture your imagination and your loyalty in that way. Like there's this moment where the game can eat you and take you over and you're like one of those... Things that has a parasite in your brain and is now controlling you like a zombie. I that's, felt that way about Monopoly.
0: That's poetic.
1: I still it feel comes that way me. a little bit I too. I have a
0: theory about Monopoly. <laughs> yeah. And and I'm hesitant, but I'm going to go for it. Okay. Which is that Monopoly is not a terrible game, is that we are terrible people. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not true. There's a. I think Monopoly is pretty bad. Um, I mean, it, I'm, no, I'm only. I, I'm, I'm half joking because I think that Monopoly. Hmm and i'm feeling this partly because i just finished my own game and there are, there are, it's not that it's similar to monopoly but i think i did this a little bit too hmm. where like people are people are good and people are bad right, right. um right. and games there's a the, the magic about games is that it it microcosms social interactions yes and and like shortcuts them and miniaturizes them and puts them on the table and so monopoly just it leans on the wrong social interactions. Right. It leans on the like, you know, the, the social interactions you have with your friend where your friend is like, Oh, but you owe me another dollar because you drank. Right. Yeah. I gave you some of my soda and you're like, what is the, what? Yes. Oh, I took yes. a, bu- you took a bite of my cake at dinner, you know? Yeah. So you know, owe an extra yeah. 50 cents on the bill and you're like, how are you, are we both human? Yeah. Do we know it anyway? So I don't need to yeah. like belabor that too much, but, um, but I think, I think it's important, and I think that I'm going to end up saying this a lot, I think the guiding principle, like anything can be a hook into a game, right? Yeah. Like we'll talk so much about this. And it could be like, oh, we want to be exploring the Mayan ruins, or we want to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. have this dynamic where you have a partner that you can't talk to. Like those are the things about the games that we talked about earlier, right? Like right. those are the hooks. Right. But um, at its core, when you're designing a game, I think you need to think about the interaction at the table and what you want that to be. Right, right, right. And, and yeah, so anyway, that said, I mean, have you ever played a fun game of Monopoly? I might have. Um, I might have. Yeah, I've totally... It definitely involved free free parking. Right. That's crucial.
1: Right. I've totally played fun games of Monopoly, and as much of it has had to do with, yeah, who's at the table? And if it's like a lighthearted game of Monopoly with, you know... Kids in high school, when you're in high school and you have a crush on one of them or something, and and then it's like, and then it 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 yeah, it brings out versions of yourself. A good game will bring out a version of yourself that is heightened, that uh, has salient features that don't emerge unless you're playing this game in this way. Um, and and I think Monopoly did can do that. Now, part of that was that like. Every, it felt like every five years they were releasing a new edition with, like, the glossy board and the...
0: Five years is a little bit of... I mean, not once you start getting into the licensed ones, which yeah. is, like, sheer brilliance. Yeah. Is, that, is this not genius? That's right. That's right.
1: With, like, all the different versions of, like, oh, the Portlandopoly or, oh, the...
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that there. How many, how many Star Wars versions do we think? That yeah, there are? we oh. should do we should do show notes where we like look up the answers to questions that we have. <laughs> how many, how many versions of Star Wars Monopoly are there? Nice,
1: nice. I the bet there I was I don't one for is, every movie.
0: Well, you'd think, right? Yeah, but I'm sure there's more than that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to th- just carry this forward and talk about another game that I played semi-recently. I think it w- was mm-hmm. like a year, year and a half ago, and I can date it pretty specifically if I had a time, but it's called Secret Hitler, and it's by, <laughs> <laughs> great, see, names, names are important too, um, yeah. and it's by the guys who make Cards Against Humanity, which is a game I right. cannot stand, cannot stand that really? game. Really? I hate that game. Why do you hate that game? Cards Against Humanity? Yeah. I don't, because it's like uh, semen. Like, it's like, uh. ugh. But mm. I mean, again, like, I mean, of all stripped down car games or stripped down games, right? Like, it depends on who you're playing with at the time. Um, And just like whether it's something that you want to be doing versus like, right, like watching The Bridesmaid. Is that a weird, Mm. like watching a crappy movie, but everyone else Mm. is kind of into it? And you're like, I hate this. Right. Maybe I'm just, I just turned 30, so maybe I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Paul's older than me. He can tell me whether this <laughs> is just like an uh, an impact of the 30 turning 30 nerves. It's true. But no, Secret Hitler um is a very different game from Cards Against Humanity. Um and it's it's a it's a traitor game, which is a a shorthand mm-hmm. for a mechanic where everyone is ostensibly collaborating, mm-hmm. but one person is secretly a traitor. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. or in this case Hitler, who is worse than a traitor. <laughs> um <laughs> Another good example, Battlestar Galactica. We have a shared love of Battlestar Galactica. The Battlestar Galactica game is a traitor game because one person is secretly a Cylon. Oh, right, right, right. But in Secret Hitler, everyone is members of a government, Mm -hmm. and they are ostensibly only trying to enact liberal policies. But sometimes fascist policies get enacted, Sure. and then you have to figure out who's secretly voting for the fascist policies. And sometimes as a liberal, you're forced to vote for fascist policies. Anyway. Right. But the notable thing he said it's a relatively simple game and it's like 5 plus players like 5 to 10 players I think huh. which is a good interesting set of numbers yeah for me at least I usually play games with like 3 or 4 people 2 to 4 people um and it is the most tense I have ever been during a game wow. and it was because the game disappeared and wow. it was whether the love of my life was lying to me wow and it was like it was that and sh- and I mean, wait. we don't need to name names here, but... Uh, <laughs> so wait,
1: so so we can definitively say that you, James Mapes, were not, you was well, not... Well, we played multiple games. You we're not the secret
0: uh, When you get to a certain number of players, one person is Hitler and then another person is a fascist. I see. So, And you're trying to discover who Hitler is. Right. So you can discover that a fascist is enacting fascist policies, but you don't win the game as the liberals because... Anyway. Gotcha. I believe I was a fascist at least once or twice. I see. It's also a little screwy in my mind because we also screwed up one of the, um, there's like a handshake at the beginning where oh everyone closes their eyes and then only Hitler and the fascist open their eyes and look at each other and oh then my close God. their eyes. And like that moment, oh, oh my God. Because <laughs> we like, we fucked it up once and someone was like, oh wait, I was a liberal and I opened my eyes and we are like, uh, oh so my we God. had to like restart a game over and I don't, I might've been Hitler in that game. Um and like <laughs> opened my eyes and there were two other people and I was like did I misread the rules or Ooh, shit. No, this is all um but yeah and it was it was the game imposing something on us yeah to like utterly deceive yeah and it was we were so committed to it and I don't know how we got so committed to it it was right. like you know it's 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 how do we get down this path right and, and like. What we don't know what the path behind us was, but we are here now, and we are gonna win this game. Right. You know. Right. Right. Do right. I have to bleep out swear words? We've never made a podcast before.
1: I don't think we need to. I mean, we'll just put a thing
0: on it. Okay. Sure.
1: That's great. Um, that makes me think of um, so for a while I was regularly playing chess with um, uh, a ninety-one uh, a year old gentleman named Bill. Uh, who, was, who was frequently, I mean, he was not necessarily altogether there, right? And he was, uh, it was about, like, spending time with him and being friends with him and engaging with him socially so that he wasn't just always homebound and kind of by himself the, the whole time. And he would also, let, we would drink scotch and, you know, like cheap scotch, not the amazing stuff that we're drinking right now. And, uh, and there would always be a point in that game in my games with bill where i i would lose track of the fact that i was trying to let him win so that he could feel good about himself that makes me sound horrible but no. but past a certain point i would get drunk enough and also would just be in the game enough that i was actually working hard to try to stay with him and and i think he would also notice that he was getting away with stuff, and so he would start to call me on it. And so there's this weird dynamic, this game on top of the game where we're starting to match each other. And then by the end of the night, I would be, you know, I would have to drink a lot of water and eat some pasta or something before I could drive. Um, and and we would sort of forget about the game itself, but that mechanic of how the game can... I mean, it's the same point we've been making, that how the game can take over and become more than what it is
0: so what i want to do next is i really want to i want to get to the veil but i want to (laughs) briefly break down our current projects and not like not the ones that the world necessarily knows about sure but um i want to go over the three games that i'm designing right now um i'm going to design very bare bones design three games like three concepts and do like play test slash lecture about each of them. And then like for some trusted friends and then we're going to figure out which one to go forward with. So I wanted to talk about those and then I wanted to hand it over to Paul to talk about his current projects. So this will, this will be very brief. Um, I'm designing the following games. I'm designing a game where the, um, chess pieces, there's been upheaval in the chess kingdom. This is what <laughs> made me think of it actually, that I wanted to do this, um, where the, the basically the royal pieces have triumphed and they've kicked out the pawns and, and exterminated the pawns, except Whoa. they missed two to four of them, Whoa. depending on the number of players. Um, and so these pawns come back into town like Ronin <laughs> and they're just going to like, ah, and their mission ah. is to cleave through everything. And so it's kind of like ah. an undercrawler. Okay. Nice. So that's that one. It's called Revenge of the Pawns. Um, nice. That's the front runner, runner, to be honest. And then I have one called, that's going to be called Harvey is a Donut which is where you play members of Harvey's gut biome and Harvey (laughs) kind of Ah. uncontrollably eats things. And then you have to like (laughs) apportion some to water and some to energy and some to the fat tissue. But then Mm -hmm. he ate something bad and you have to fight the sickness and you have to like regulate when he expels waste, you know, like just taking this like (laughs) inner space thing and just going a little wacky with it. And hopefully there's like many ridiculous deaths for Harvey if you don't manage his bio biology well enough. Um, That's so great i mean but not not this podcast um and then the third one is is kind of the wild card but i think it's going to be some kind of um storytelling uh uh dungeon crawler like dungeons and dragons game um that involves uh uh like one person being team leader and just having a simple decision of whether they fight or sneak or cast a spell or something like i'm still working on the language Hmm. um and then that kind of, like, drives the game. Like, if we've played Arabian Nights together, right? Yes. Kind of like uh, on the vein of Arabian Nights, where they're, like, very short, choose-your-own-adventure sorts sure. of things. And then that ends up affecting your party. So, I don't know. I'm still nice. working on that one. So, nice. you can tell from my voice that I'm a little doubtful about that. So, the reason that I'm saying this is not just to be like, look at me, how clever I am, but it's to put put the weight on you, Paul, if you spot any ideas coming out of me that are similar to these games, ah, then shoot them down. Ah, because I don't want to make those games on this podcast.
1: I see. Over to you. Okay. Um, uh, well, I don't... Uh, I'm not working on any games uh, right now. I'm, as I mentioned before, I'm trying to learn how to play Pinochle. Um. I'm creating a solo show, as I mentioned at the top of the thing about... Um, walking through Lad's Edition and trying to find your way as a grown-up. and Ostensibly, it's a tour of Lad's Edition in Portland, but really it's about discovering unmarked graves, metaphorically and literally. Um, I, uh, I do a bunch of things in Portland that I'm super proud of, but they're all kind of rambly and involved, and so I don't want to get too far into them. But in the next month or so, I'll be opening a homeless shelter, and that'll be cool. That's my day job. Um, oh, I'm, uh, I'll be performing <laughs> in the tour of Untimely Departures at Lone Fur Cemetery, where I'll be playing the ghost of a man who was wrongfully convicted of a murder in the 1890s. And that's fun. Um, and that's like a Halloween project. Those
0: are my things right now <laughs> I've gotten a preview of that, and uh, like to describe it as a Halloween project is like, oh my god It's <laughs> it's heavy, it's heavy it is
1: pretty heavy yeah
0: in a good way in the best possible way, so from that, I'm gathering that if we bring up anything involving the proletariat right biology, yes, uh dungeons and dragons, chess pieces, chess pieces um uh Portland history and locations sure and and Sadly, probably the homeless. Well, right. I mean, that's not like a artistic project you're working on. That's just your, that's your life. Yeah. So, um, and again, just to restate it one more time so that we're as sure as you are, dear yes. listeners, we're doing this because we want to do something new and yeah. capture as, in as much as we can the whatever goes into whatever we make. Yeah. Wow. It sounds a little less... Less so when we don't have anything to show for it yet. Um, oh, we got this. We got this. Veil is lift lifted. It. Let's lift, lift it. Lift the lift. Pierce the veil. Let's pierce it. Ooh, eh, it feels a little. Yeah, it's true. Let's lift it. A little, we'll lift it. Although that's a little. <laughs> um. So. So what game do we want to make? Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. Aha! Uh-huh. I mean, we.
1: Aha! Uh-huh. Yeah, so, um, so technical question.
0: Yeah. Okay. Good.
1: Uh, does the fact that this need to be this this is a new game?
0: This is a new game. So we, we cannot make pinochle.
1: We cannot make <laughs> pinochle. Damn it! Uh, so, any element whatsoever of previous games that we've encountered or that you've created cannot be drawn into this, correct? Well let me
0: answer with the legal sure. with the legal definition because I'm actually I was yes. fascinated to discover this, which is that copyright law does not cover board game mechanics.
1: Ah oh. the only
0: things that can be copyrighted about a board game is your manual. Right. I e the exact words that you were using to describe your board game mechanics mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and your artwork. Sure. Um like the actual design physical elements and design of your game and that i feel like it explains a lot about the board game industry and about how a lot of games seem to be oh it's game x but cthulhu right Right. but zombies and they can get a and that's not just one studio like doing that i mean they do that too but it's it's there's not a lot of legal recourse i think um if you're not using the exact words, if you're just like using the idea of a deck building game, for example, sure. like Dominion. So I guess to turn that back around. Right. Uh I mean I don't I don't feel horrendously in danger of repeating myself. Um I would uh, if necessary, I think we can talk about borrowing it if it even occurs to us. Um I think new is good. Right. I also know that it's very difficult to design a relatively simple right. game, probably. I mean, we're not going to design Warhammer right. um, yeah. without <laughs> at least having, like, a touchstone of how the game wants to function. Right. And, like, I mean, I think we've been finding this a little bit as I'm, like, describing games and I'm saying, like, oh, that's a trader game, that's a cooperative game, that's a Euro game. You know yeah. I mean? There's some, like, broad genres, Yeah, and I don't think we should shy away from those. Like, right. if we want to make a trader game, we should just say we're making a trader game and then, like... If something occurs and it's like, oh, that's two Battlestar Galactica. Like, I right. think that that's a that's a fine conversation to have. Right, right. Um, got it, got it. Totally. Does that clarify totally. beyond the veil? Yep, yep. And then I think the other clarification, now that we're beyond the veil, yes, is that we don't know what physical form this will take yet, yes. and a lot of it depends on what happens. Yes. During, i mean i guess it all depends on what happens during the podcast i would i would like in my mind to think that we are not going to like cravenly right. kickstart it for our own profit you know like i don't right. think that doesn't feel like the thing that we two will spend our time on
1: i mean cuz really i'm just rolling in dough already so what yeah, do need i a mean we're like for?
0: yeah it's great <laughs> I mean, um, the fact that I have a recording studio in my basement <laughs> this is we'll post pictures of this setup it's pretty it's pretty funny um
1: uh, can I ask this question as well um why a board game
0: uh why a board game? that's a good question um I think because uh I've been doing a lot of board game stuff lately, yeah, and uh while I am not interested in profiting off this game, I think that it's nice to be out myself personally and my board game company is nice to be involved in lots of projects um and because the best advice about creativity that i've ever read was from stephen king question mark Hmm. who i believe on his on writing book was said something like you need to write all the time sure
1: listeners we need you to help us out by looking up this stuff
0: i mean i read the book once (laughs) once upon a time um (laughs) but i mean i mean general general wisdom is if you want to do something, you should do it, right, sure, and so i think, and I think people have already picked up on the fact that like i'm the I'm the heavy gamer and you're the
1: yeah i'm the non gamer
0: i'm my light gamer,
1: I'm a light gamer we have played
0: a lot of board games together Paul I, Seuss, yeah
1: i feel i feel like i'm a relative i'm a dilettante i'm I'm an amateur in the way that Sherlock Holmes is an amateur detective,
0: yeah, yeah, of course. Um, I often compare you to Sherlock Holmes <laughs> in my head.
1: So See that's interesting cuz I was just about to make the comparison that I am well you reference Stephen King constantly writing as like your engine for creativity and like you have to be constantly writing or constantly creating something and yeah, I
0: Yeah, that's totally, a Sherlock thing.
1: Yeah. I totally relate to that and respect that. Yeah. But I also feel like my version of that is a little more passive. Like I think I more closely identify with the bear that stands in the waterfall and is just sort of waiting for a fish to jump at him.
0: Well, that's why I think A, that's a good, that's a nice image. And B, I think that that's why we're a good pair because I feel sometimes like a school of fish attempting to swim upstream and leaping sure. the thing. The Pacific Northwest is a place of salmon, everyone. So yeah. if you're missing out on this imagery, come visit. It's very nice here. It's don't move here. It's very pretty. Though.
1: No, please don't move
0: here. Um, yeah, it's terrible here. Uh so what what game are we designing? Um
1: so uh I would love to design a game that um is for yeah, 5 sounds like a great number of people.
0: 5. Like specifically 5 or like average 5?
1: Maybe average 5. Like, so like ideally ideally 5. Mm-hmm. Could make do with 3, you know. Um Yeah, that's like, good too. And like seven, you could make it work with seven, but it might be a longer night or something.
0: Like everyone would need to know the rules already. Yeah. Yeah. That, I feel that same way. Yeah. I feel that same way.
1: I feel passionately about odd numbers, um, mm. partly because...
0: Wouldn't it be brilliant to have a game that can be only played by three, five, or seven people? Yes. <laughs> but then you have to think, like, do you want to start the play, ses- play sessions of your game by like being like, oh, even numbers... Like get out you, you underdog, no, I mean, um <laughs> should we even be thinking about that yet I don't know what if what
1: if the game is like based at least initially on the Supreme Court, oh, but God. then someone in the so one of the you're like the okay, hear me out, okay, you're the justices of the Supreme Court, so that's why there's an odd number of you so that you could actually make decisions, but one of you is a murderer.
0: This is brilliant. It's brilliant. No, I'm writing it down. <laughs> Supreme Court murderer. That's right. Great. Uh murderer within the Supreme Court. That's a little bit more accurate. Uh Okay. Although yeah, I'm sure
1: that there's already I mean I just basically Yeah, I just nine basically is too did many. Yeah, not you don't we don't want nine.
0: We and there's no nine. Supreme Court of 3 people. It's true.
1: There are appellate courts of 3, but
0: okay. No. no one knows the word appellate. It's true. Yeah. So we might have to step back a little bit from the from sure. the Supreme Court. The murderer, hidden. Oh my the Supreme god. Court.
1: Someone someone on the court murdered two of your colleagues.
0: <laughs> That's just like the starting setup of the game. Yeah. Um it has it does have a, a built in like expansion pack <laughs> creator in it, ah. like you know.
1: And it's we can
0: market it oh, to sad, the school. that just made me think of Ruth Bader Ginsburg and her like alien health. So. She is she's gonna outlive us all. That's true. That's true. Only because, like, the nukes will hit the Pacific Northwest before D.C., right? It's true. Yeah, great. Yeah. It's been a hard week for news. I don't know if people are paying attention. Um, No, so anyway, so that was good. That was a good series of conversations. Um, Thanks. No problem. (laughs) I wanted to talk a little bit about the game that started my design Hmm. career as perhaps a perhaps an That's ambitious fair. word to use. That's fair. Um, but also has a deep connection to Paul Susie because right. it is Moby Dick or The Card Game. Yes. Which is a fantastic game. Uh, It is an incredibly fun game. Yeah. I'm not convinced it is a fantastic game.
1: Yeah. It's got some flaws.
0: It's got some flaws. And why can't they write a good manual? I just want... Th- I want to... Yeah. Vo- I literally want to volunteer. So we played two games. Um, It's uh, King... King Post Productions. King Post Productions. We've... uh. Isn't it nice to like call them out? Well, no one listens to podcasts anyway. Uh, I wanted to like volunteer as their yeah. manual writer or editor yeah. or something because I feel like we've played both of their games and we've yeah. had like glaring issues of comprehension. Yeah. and
1: And in all fairness, I'm like, I don't even know how much work and how much time and effort and ingenuity and create. Like, we're about to find out all of right. the things that go into creating a beautifully designed game. And, like, aesthetically, it is, they're both uh, Moby Dick the, or the card game and Beowulf are both beautifully designed board-slash-tabletop games uh, down to, like, customized dice and die, I suppose I should say, and um, beautifully crafted cards for the characters and the tactics and so on. Um, but you're absolutely right, James. the the It's really, really hard to suss out the intent of the rules based on just how the rules are laid out, um, and the big that's the big hurdle for me with those games is that I, I I'm not confident yet with Beowulf that I understand the intention of the founding fathers, so to speak. Totally. And so every game is a constant like, well, let's try it this way to see if yeah, yeah. this feels right.
0: I remember reverse engineering a couple of roles. Yeah. But but the amazing thing about Moby Dick that struck me as um, then a writer, uh, I mean still a writer, but wanting only to ever be a writer um, beyond my theatrical career um, was how invested I got in the crew because mm-hmm. you hire like members of the of the Pequod, the ship in Moby Dick. Um, you hire them on and they're your your peoples um, as you go hunt whales and then at a certain point in the end game, uh, Moby Dick uh, starts hunting you and there yes. is no escape from Moby Dick. you no. cannot defeat him right You can only be the last standing whaleboat
1: right everybody's picked off one
0: by one around you. And it was just, it was that economy of narrative in game form. Right. That I was incredibly attracted to, that I think both of us were incredibly attracted to. I mean, and you, I've never successfully read Moby Dick all the way through. Um, I have. I know that you have, and you love it. (laughs) I do. Uh, And so I think that, you know, the the references and the theme of it captured you, but I think the, the, where the intersection of story yes. and game yes. was what captured me, and I think yes. that that's something that we could do well.
1: Yes, yes, and that's the thing to call back to the earlier part of this episode, like that's at, the, which is episode
0: one, the introduction. In case anyone, right? You know, no, sorry.
1: Look at how rich this is already. You should, <laughs> you should subscribe already. Um, but that that turn when the game takes over uh, can look like many things. Uh, in the chess game with Bill, it's when I forget that I'm trying to let him win, and or in in Monopoly, it's when I get emotionally invested in Boardwalk. In Moby Dick, it's when Moby Dick starts eating everybody one by one. Like, and and in, in the game in the game you were describing, it's when you you confronted the prospect that your love of your life might be Hitler. Like that, I think she was Hitler. Oh my God, you just said that in a recording. I think she was. Yeah. It was awful. Yeah. But that's that magic moment that you want to capture. It's a very theatrical thing. Like, it's a very, at its best, that is when, when any kind of live performance, any kind of thing that is happening in real time with people in space together, when they lose track of the artifice of it and become lost in it, that's the magic thing.
0: Yeah. But that means then, uh, so if we break it down a little bit, and it sounds like we're both kind of yeah. on the same page about narrative um, at least being important. I mean, I think it's it's an unquestioned sentiment between us that yes. a game that we make is not just like blue square goes in the red thing. Like Correct. There's going to be some sort of story, right? And some sort of character, because we're storytellers. Yes. Um. So when we break it down, we really just need to know... The story and 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 some events that happen, you know sure. what I mean, which is not to say that we have to like write a story right now, but um uh-huh, uh-huh. so like brainstorming weighs in, like is it the world that we're starting with? Is it the feeling? that we want people to have that we're starting with is it, is there an event that we're starting with? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, we don't necessarily need the answer right now. Um, the other nice thing about this podcast is we're not committing ourselves to anything yeah. in this episode. Uh, yeah. I think it will feel natural when we find the right idea and know yeah. when to kind of push forward with it. Yeah. Um, on, on my mind a lot these days, uh, is, and always just, just, because is a nuclear war and how right. that looks um right i don't know if this is a fair game or not because i wrote a short story about it recently but i think that it is uh as the rules are yeah, yeah totally totally great okay thanks for saying that yeah. um but like well the short story was about a new kid in portland but i don't know that i need to necessarily go down that path either but um but like just that that And then also we've had, we have the, um, Cascadia subduction zone stuff too. Yeah. And, uh, and the stuff happening in Puerto Rico. And, uh, I was just reading a story today about, um, like how there could be a, there will at some point be a massive solar flare Mm. that knocks out. Electronics, like the Mm. last time one happened, was in the 1860s, and it shorted out telegraph lines. But that's kind of all it did, because you know whatever. That was always that was there. But it just it wipes out the entire power grid for the United for the world. You know, so there's like there's these. And my mom is addicted to these these like maybe addicted is the wrong word, but my mom loves these like collapse novels, right? Like where all of society collapses or whatever. So, like, I don't know that I need to go full on, like, I don't know that it's risk with beggars and burned out cities, but it that does feel like Mm. ripe territory. Yeah. I guess, like the, like civilization falling or, or waking up to the realization that things won't be tomorrow what they are today.
1: Right. Right.
0: Um, right. And what you do with that, I guess.
1: Is that do you see that as um is that scenario a journey? Or is that scenario uh let's survive the hordes of oncoming barbarians?
0: Well there uh I've not said this rule yet, but I don't uh-huh. think that there can be any zombies. Great. So let's just let's take that one right off the table. Cool. Great. But um I don't know. I, in that like genre, I think, is not... I just feel like I've read too many zombie novels, I guess.
1: Totally. It's really easy to fall into what feels like a stale
0: narrative there. And the like, what is the circumstance where we can shoot people? Right. Like, they're Nazi foot soldiers, I it's guess. It's too easy you know? to... Like, what's yeah. the Wolfenstein thing, you know? Yeah. So... And also I think if we if we absent the zombie hor like mowing down the zombie hordes, if we take that away from zombies, then we're left with a horror thing, and I don't know that horror is what I'm thinking of. Sure. Um, what am I thinking? I don't know what I'm thinking of, but it's true that it's appealing um well what do you what do you think? What do yeah, you think?
1: No, I agree. I think the stakes go down when you can too easily dehumanize um whatever the obstacle is. like if all we're doing is trying to fend off attacking wolves or attacking zombies or the plague or whatever, um, then it's too easy to like reduce it to a bunch of who do I let die first decisions. Right. Um, and then there's nothing that doesn't feel particularly fulfilling to me. Um, at least not at first blush, you know,
0: there's also just thinking about the fact that we have decided for reasons to make a board game. Um, just thinking about how you know it's it's always good i think to start early testing out like how a concept starts to apply itself to like a group of people sitting around a table yeah because there's no artificial intelligence for the bad guys i mean right. there are some games that attempt it um and you know we can talk about that and stuff but uh there's no there's no it's like hard to do us versus them you know right so what what can what element can each person have um control over and then be cooperative or be in conflict. So that's not to say that we're off to a bad start. There actually is. (laughs) Let me run this idea by you. Okay. There is a fun idea. Like games generally you build up, right? Uh You build or you increase your experience points and level up or you Accumulate victory points Or you accumulate gold Or uh-huh. whatever like Right The winning mechanism Or you get There's to the a, end of something Right Sure
1: There's a ticking something There's a
0: ticking something What if you start with everything And, and it, then diminishes And it. then it diminishes
1: Uh huh Uh huh
0: Like that fits in Uh huh Uh huh With like And like not to go crazy here But But You know we think of it, like, I feel like I'm just rehashing old things But Like the United States is an as the Roman Empire, like the Roman yeah. Empire fell. Yeah. Right. Like this will will a thousand years from now the world resemble the political order of this world? Like probably not. Like yeah. let's just be honest, probably not. Like Clearly. I don't know what no one knows what the alternative is. Right. Or what direction it will go, but like change will happen. So can we capture some of that change? Right. In 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 many directions. Can right. we
1: what do you think? Yes, um, I think that that's, I think that that's a great idea. the The diminishing resources paradigm, um, and I think the the point about the point about the, uh, the that metaphor of of losing uh, the familiarity for and and having to discover something else as being the next government or whatever, and, and this. Not to trivialize it, but this is this is uh this is what we want a game mechanic to feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, what the prevailing mechanic to feel like. Um, I think I mean, I just I think that one reason why you know you reference global politics, the alternative for Germany party it now has uh, the, the most which is the most fascist party in Germany uh, in a long time now has the third position in the German parliament, which was unthinkable even 10 years ago. And I think a big piece of that is that people who were alive to see what those things looked like in real time are no longer around, and which is why Trump, which is why Duterte in the Philippines. Um, anyway, things and stuff.
0: Things and stuff. I mean, I think that those are all strong thoughts to kind of propel us forward on this emotional journey. So I think we are actually, is this the end of the episode? How do we end the episode? Um,
1: well, I think,
0: well, I mean, I feel like uh-huh. before we end this, I mean, I feel sure. like I, I had a I had an idea and I kind of went there a little bit Yeah. and I think that that's a good place to pick up in the future, but I want you to have a non Supreme court related idea Okay. and to go there. So, <laughs> So like, so let's, let's cast that. Let's cast the like fall decline of civilization aside. Okay. Let's, let's, let's leave that aside. Let's, um, uh, let's leave Pinochle aside. Like Uh what is, if you sit down with four of your friends, Paul Susie, and you imagine the kind of game that you want to open up for them, like, what is that? What is the game? Right. You are drinking scotch. I'm drinking scotch. I'm
1: opening up a brand new game that I've never played before. And with four of my friends. And I think the game I would like them to be playing is... Um, um, I don't have all the details, but <laughs> I, I'm looking... I, 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 I feel like there's a tactile there's a tactile thing that I'm thinking of, and it's and it's when when you 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 feel gears or when you feel clockwork in your hands, mm-hmm. um, the the physical texture of of metal and and ridges and and milled milled metals. Um, I I want them to I want it to be like they're putting together a puzzle, but not quite so simple as a puzzle even like you have to missed (laughs) a computer game from the nineties. Oh, I know missed. Well, from the era of CD ROM, there was a
0: CD two to continue.
1: Yeah. Like there's something really beautiful about that concept of like, what the hell is going on? And look at all of these, all of this stunning sensory information, which was
0: cutting edge technology in 1996. Mm. Um you know, it probably still looks good. Mist probably still looks good. Maybe. I don't <laughs> know. Um So d- do you think that you assemble the clockwork yeah. when you open the box or do you assemble it over the course of the game? Ooh. I think there's
1: I think that there's some assembly happening from the moment you open it. Cool. Um What
0: if the box was the clockwork? Yeah. Oh my god. Totally. What if it like fell open and then you
1: Totally. Yeah. Whoa. But I don't want to get all up on the steampunk bandwagon. Like, I feel like that's a little bit played out. It's pretty and all, and all the cute girls are doing steampunk things, but let's not get carried away there. Uh Uh-huh. It might be a little... Don't uh, get
0: carried away, Paul Susie. (laughs) Just don't. (laughs) Just don't.
1: Anyway, that's my big idea.
0: Okay. Yeah. I think that's a good big idea.
1: Yeah. Um... That in the Supreme and a murderer, like a Poirot mystery. Someone on the Supreme Court is a murderer. I wrote it down. Okay, cool.
0: We have a, you know, my goal was to come away with three ideas, and uh, we've come away with three ideas. Yeah, great. We have murder (laughs) within the Supreme Court, Uh collapse of civilization and diminishing resources. Tomorrow will not be what today is. Yes. And uh, clockwork in your hands. And I think that those are three excellent germs. And so until the next episode. <laughs> we I think we're not we're not working on it, but we are keeping it in our mind. Yeah. We are kind of ruminating and turning it over and yeah. And and these are not like a kombucha mother. Yeah. We're always always converting. Yeah. Always converting to kombucha. Yeah. You just said do are we really that Portland? <laughs> are we really do we have to go there? Um yeah. uh, Always for always be fermenting, right, yeah <laughs> that's actually that's good uh so yeah, so we will rendezvous at some point in the future, um, right. and we will say, here was where we left the last episode. What have you thought about yes. on each of these things since? What is something new that you've thought about? And probably, I don't know that the next episode will decide our path, but I think that we will We'll get that much closer. We'll fork outwards and inwards at the same time in some kind of complex forest geometry. Right.
1: Well, this is by far the most productive board meeting I've been to. And let me tell you, I've been (laughs) to quite a few.
0: This is a good board meeting, everybody. (laughs) Um, Thanks so much for listening. This is normally where I would put in the sponsors. Right. But I don't Oh no, that's not true. We borrowed yeah. some sound equipment from a dance company in Portland called BodyVox. Oh, hey BodyVox. Yeah. Um I'm going to plug my board game company that has no buyable products right now called yeah. Flypaper Games. Nice. Um I'm looking around to like see what other uh I could
1: plug things. uh the Multnomah County Cultural Coalition that uh gives away tr- monies from the Oregon Cultural Trust. Do they give us money? And they can give us money.
0: Uh, well, well yeah. yeah, maybe not um, because I'm on it. Also, I borrowed a mic stand from my friend Charlie. Thanks, Charlie. Nice. I, you know, I don't know if the sponsor list will grow necessarily, but we should totally
1: like get, we should like have coffee somewhere and then say, hey, we're doing this thing. And then we'll get free coffee from them.
0: Oh, you're right. That's how that works, isn't it? Yeah. We are so poor. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, this is an adventure that we are glad to be on, I think. Yeah, very much so. Thank and you. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> uh, and I will just share as the last note of this show that um, we talked about names a lot. Uh, not a lot. That's that's exaggerating slightly. One of the <laughs> possible names that we threw around also in the like pun of board game was calling the show Welcome a Board Game. And I'm definitely glad we didn't do that, but it slipped into my mind for just a second there. And I wanted to say thanks, everybody, and welcome aboard. Yeah. Welcome aboard. Welcome aboard to the board meeting. That's (laughs) enough of this. Okay. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and have a good night.